Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Well, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amo, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana, out of Ashes Ministries here in DeRitter, Louisiana. How are you guys and gals? I hope everybody is doing great and having a great weekend. I want to just say thank you, everybody who's listening for the first time. Uh, for stopping by Image Bearers Radio, and it's always cool to have new people swing by the show, the podcast, and uh, listen in for a few minutes. And uh, if you're one of our longtime, our veterans, I want to say thank you to you guys as well, because you have made this a great community, and I'm so very, very thankful for all the feedback, the sharing of the show, excuse me, and all the things that uh, you guys help us do. It's really awesome, and uh, I'm really, really, really super excited uh, to be on with you guys again this week. So I just want to remind you, if you have not listened to last week's episode, I would love for you to go over and check that out. It's up on Hebrew Nation Online in the archive under Image Bearers Radio. It's also at our website, www.outofashesministries.org slash podcast. And if you are you get your podcasts on iTunes or Podbean or anywhere else, uh, we're on all the major uh, podcasting platforms where we post our uh, Shabbat messages as well as these Image Bearers Radio episodes, so you can check us out there. Speaking of uh, Shabbat, if you didn't know, we live stream our Shabbat services each and every week uh, at our website, uh, outofashesministries.org slash live, and we also simulcast to Facebook and YouTube when Facebook and YouTube are acting right. I say that because this last week uh, we tried to do that and Facebook decided eh, it just didn't want to air our program. So uh, every Saturday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time, we invite you to come hang out with us and uh, pop in the chat, say hello, tell us where you're watching from, and we'd love the chance to wish you Shabbat Shalom. Uh, So we are currently in... But uh, as you're listening to this, this is being recorded before, of course, but uh, as a Monday night, depending on which calendar you uh, celebrate, but according to the Hello calendar, uh, Monday night begins uh, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, uh, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. But as you're hearing this, we're going to be in between Yom Teruah and uh, Yom Kippurim, Yom, Yom Kippur. And uh, so I want to talk about this in-between time, what's known uh, in Hebrew as Yamim Noraim, or the Days of Awe. And we're going to touch a little bit on Yom Truah, and uh, then kind of into these these days where the books are open. And so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, let's say a, a word of prayer and blessing. Father in heaven, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, we bless you for the opportunity to be able to come together. And we ask that uh, as we discuss these very important times that we're in, uh, that you reveal something to us about yourself so that we can reflect your image better in our world. 
All right, guys, guys and gals. So um, we are in the intermediate days, the high holy days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, if it bothers you that we call it Rosh Hashanah, um, I just humbly and genuinely um, ask that you just do some more reading, do some more research. You may not agree with why it's called Rosh Hashanah. You might not understand why it's called Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you may understand why and still not agree either way. Um, just have some mutual respect and uh, and understand that you know these these festivals that we celebrate, these feasts um, in the Torah. Hashem says over and over, especially in Leviticus 23, these are my feasts, right? These are his feasts. And while that's absolutely 100%, 1,000% true, um, we also have to understand that in context, and as we you know, continue to read and study Torah and the Tanakh, Jewish history, etc., etc., um, that Hashem gave over the mandating of these commandments within the nation to the, the priesthood, to the judges, um, and over and over, as many times as he says, or actually more times than he says, these are my feast, he actually tells Moshe, Aaron, the, 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 the judges, what would be the Sanhedrin, um, you shall proclaim them. In other words, um, you have the stewardship over them. And, um, and so we have to understand that things don't happen in a vacuum. And um, so we, we as newcomers to the Torah, and, and frankly, it doesn't matter if we've been studying Torah five years, 15 years, or 30 years, if we did not grow up in a Jewish culture, um, there are a lot of things that we don't understand about the Torah. And I think it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a down, you know, it's not putting ourselves down or it's not uh, diminishing our ability to read and interpret, understand and hear from God. It's just a simple fact that, um, that just as it happens in church, just as it happens in the Hebrew Roots Movement, uh, and it does very much happen in the Hebrew Roots Movement, we tend to, uh, in, in the Messianic Hebrew Roots Movement, we, we have a tendency to be critical of traditions and interpretations that we don't understand and that we don't agree with. And yet we make new interpretations and new traditions all the time. So we can't, we don't really have the grounds to say, well, we don't believe in X interpretations or X traditions, um, you know, because we are doing the same thing. We are interpreting, as we talked about a few weeks ago, every time we open the book, every time we read the scripture, we're interpreting. That's just the way it works. And the difference is that we don't have a cultural, a contextual background through which to interpret the scripture. Um, our contextual background is different than a Jewish contextual background and historical background and cultural background. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can disagree about, uh, about, you know, with, with the way the sages interpreted scripture or the way the Jewish people today interpret scripture. There's a lot of things we can disagree about, and that's fine. And, um, you know, the commandment not to judge doesn't mean don't have an opinion. We can have opinions, and that's great. Um, all I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm respectful of uh, the traditions that brought us the Torah the way we have it and, and, and uh, saved and preserved the scriptures for us. And also to understand that, that although we've been invited into the Torah as, as Gentiles, as, as Christians, and we've been grafted in, and now we're part of the commonwealth of Israel— um, we were not entrusted with these words in the beginning. Uh, our forefather, maybe they were, maybe genetically you're an Israelite, great. Um, but I'm, I'm, I know for sure my forefathers weren't entrusted with this word at Mount Sinai. 
uh, they did not preserve it with their blood and sweat and tears throughout history and persecution and, and being run out of country after country after country. Um, and so we owe them a great deal of respect and an honor and at least um, listen to the advice and to the wisdom. So uh, all of that uh, preliminary out of the way, all that setup out of the way. Um, we mostly know Yom Truah as Yom Truah, right? And um, so we know, we most of us know the two kind of main names of Yom Truah, which is that and Yom Truah and Rosh Hashanah, head of the new year. Um, just a quick note on Rosh Hashanah, or head of the new year, um, in, in, uh, in Jewish history and Jewish understanding from the Mishnah, we know that um, the Jewish people interpret the scripture as uh, having four new years, and uh, those four new years are in the Aviv, uh, which is where the uh, the religious calendar is, what we call the religious calendar. It's also the calendar for kings, um, and uh, that is begins in Aviv in the spring. And then we have Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year for the counting of the Jubilee and the Shemitah, uh, among among other things. Uh, and that is on Tishri 1, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Tura. Uh, there is also a new year for trees. Many of you may not have known that, or some of you may have. Uh, new year for trees, that is on the 15th of uh, Shavat, Tuba Shavat. Uh, and that is for trees. And so you, the Torah tells us that we cannot eat the fruit of trees for the first four years and the fifth year, I believe it is. Someone correct me. Uh, we can have the fruit of trees. And, um, and it, and, if you just think, well, that's kind of dumb to have a new year for trees. Why would the Jews do that? Well, the Jews, quote-unquote, didn't do that. It's in the Torah. And remember that God gives them the Torah, the Israelites, to live out. And most of you will, will know this, if, you know, if we're really being humble and honest, will know that we, we have taken the commandments as um, trying to you know, live the root of our faith. We've taken the commandments, and, and they're, the commandments are great and clear and kind of black and white on paper. But once you take them off the paper and you start to implement them into your lives, a lot of questions pop up, right? And a lot of gray areas pop up. And so then we have to kind of go, oh, well, then how do I apply these commandments? And what do they mean in the greater? So if I move an area of my life over here and I adjust it to fit, to, to be, uh, you know, to, to guard and to keep this commandment, then that means another area of my life may have to shift. And then what does that mean? And so that, that's exactly what the Torah and the Word of God is supposed to do. It's supposed to infiltrate our lives, and, and we are supposed to, uh, you know, as I, I've said this before, but growing up, I've always heard, you know, apply the Word to your life, apply the Word to your life, apply the Word to your life. And I think w- one of the byproducts of that thought process, um, one of the negative byproducts can be that, well, we just apply the Word of God to our lives where it fits, right? We mold the Word of God to fit our life and our lifestyle, and so I've kind of flipped that on around and started thinking as it applying my life to the scriptures um, so that my life is the is the object that can be molded and and and, you know, tweaked and twisted and and fit into a biblical worldview and a biblical culture. So um, we we know uh, the so you have two tuba Shavat, you have Rosh Hashanah, you have the Aviv, which is when we keep uh, Pesach in uh, Nisan, verse of Nisan, uh, verse of Nisan, and then we have actually the first of Elul. Now, many of you have um, have taken this time of Elul as a time of introspection and repentance, tshuva, uh, which is great. Um, but you may not have known that the first of Elul is actually a new year. 
um, in the Torah, and that is for the tithing of animals. Uh, and again, so, you know, the Israelites, the Jewish people over the centuries that they have practiced Torah and the sages have practiced Torah and the way they've interpreted and made decisions as a community um, and the, the things that they've inspired uh, by Hashem himself. So all of these things come together to, to give us a working model for the calendar. Um, and of course, the calendar is a whole different debate we won't get into here. But what I want to do is I want to focus on some of the lesser known names of Yom Truah. So if you weren't aware, there's a lot of different names for Yom Truah. So we tend to get stuck on one and go, no, it's the day of trumpets or it's the day of the blast or, you know, we, we, we call it all these different things. Um, one thing that I want to note, uh, Enrico Cortez brought this up a few months ago and I just thought it was such a smart um, observation that um, Yom Truah, uh, Rosh Hashanah, is a moed, it's an appointed time, um, but we call it a feast day and it's not technically a feast day in that uh, it, is a, uh, it is a moed, it's a point of time, but it's not a chag. And a chag, uh, there are three chagim in the Torah. Uh, they're also called shlosh regalim, and those are the pilgrimage feasts. And so Yom Truah, um, Yom Kippur are not necessarily those pilgrimage feasts. They are appointed times. Um, and generally, uh, the same would go for like Pesach. Um, well, Pesach, you would be in Jerusalem anyway because you would have to bring offerings for unleavened bread, right? For Hag um, Hamatzot. Uh, so the unleavened bread is actually the Hag. That's actually the festival. Uh, Pesach is just the offering um, that was eventually, you know, that was a meal and a seder and all that stuff. So, uh, but you would be in Jerusalem anyway. And so in, in maybe in the same way, um, you have only 15 days between Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, and Sukkot. Sukkot is a Hag. It's one of the three pilgrimage festivals. So many people would already be in Jerusalem or making their way to Jerusalem for Sukkot, wherever they may be. And so you would likely be in Jerusalem for uh, Rosh Hashanah anyway and Yom Kippur anyway. So could or could not be. So just a, a little technical note. It's not something I get all hyped up about, but it's interesting because it's important for us to understand that uh, Yom Truah, uh, Yom Kippur, they are temple rituals. They're temple services uh, and strictly tied to the temple. So it's always important as, as I try to remind us and remind myself that really and truly we can wear this Torah observance as a badge, you know, and we can, sadly, we can look down on other people, other believers, Christians, um, some people we sat in church with for years, some people live in our house or in our family, and we can look down on them and say, well, you're not keeping the Torah, so you know, I know more than you, I'm, at least I'm doing what the Bible says, and, and we can have all kind of really toxic and nasty attitudes um, like that. And I've had those attitudes, know a lot of people who have had and still do have and sadly will have in the future. Um, but it's really important for us to look in the mirror and really humble ourselves and open our hearts and realize that none of us are really keeping Torah. Um, even the Jewish people, to a great extent in the land, are not keeping Torah because so much, or not so much, all of Torah basically is tied to a temple. Um, and so we, we have to understand we are not in the land. We don't have a temple. We are not, uh, you know, the Israelite people, so to speak, um, from a genetic standpoint. We weren't there at Sinai. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we have to, to think about and that will temper our, sometimes our militant attitude towards other people about Torah and weaponizing it. So um, 
just a few, just a list of a few of the names of Yom Teruah that that uh, the scriptures, both Tadak and Brit Hadashah mention, um, that we'll go through here and throughout the show. Um, besides Rosh Hashanah and Yom Teruah, uh, the day of the awakening blast. We we're going to get into a lot of Paul's uh, uh, context for that. Uh, also, Yom Hazikaron. Uh, we won't get into this one so much, but uh, as you read in uh, Vayikra 23, Leviticus 23, and in Numbers, where we're talking about this day, uh, Hashem calls it a memorial, a day of the memorial blast, right? And so zakar, the word zakar is to remember, um, which to remember is not only to think mentally of, to recall something to memory, um, but it's to speak or to act um and and manifest that thing manifest that's such a charismatic word in it um but to 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 bring that thing into your remembrance by an action not just by a mental recall uh, so this is a when we blow the shofar uh, on uh, yom kippur when we when we sell I mean, on yom Teruah, excuse me when we celebrate yom Teruah, uh we are celebrating as a memorial it's a day yom hazikaron it's a day of memorial um, it's also called Yom Hakise. Yom Hakise is uh, translates to something like the Hidden Day, um, and it is. We're going to get into some of this uh, during our uh, our show today, uh, as well as Yom Hashem, the Day of the Lord, the Day of Yod Hey uh, it, It's known as and Yom Hadin. Yom Hadin uh, is Judgment Day, the Day of Judgment, which is a day that is really, really important to a lot of, a lot of people based on the way um, that you know, we think about end times and the book of Revelation, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so I hope just by giving you all these names, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Turah, Day of the Awakening Blast, uh, Yom Hazikaron, Yom Hadin, Yom Hakisei, Yom Hashem, um, I hope there are passages of Scripture and verses that are kind of you know, sparking in your mind to think like, oh, I never tied that passage to this day. And man, it just... It really brings out because look, the, here's the thing: the kind of the frustrating thing about Yom Teruah is that really in the Torah we have a commandment just a couple times um, in Vayikra 23, in Numbers 29, I believe it is, um, and we have yeah, Numbers 29, one, uh, and we have this day, and God says just like celebrate it, and there's something about shouting or making a noise or blowing a trumpet or whatever, and celebrate as a, a, a memorial, and then He moves on. And he goes like, okay, that's it, next. And we're like, well, wait, what? this is kind of a big deal. What, why is there not more, you know, why is there not more explanation? Why is there not more to understand? Why are you telling us more about this day? Flesh it out for us a little bit. Um, and so, so hopefully through some of these other passages we're going to go through, you start to get some context and some fullness. And this becomes important because this, uh, even though by the time you hear this, uh, for for those of you that follow the, the Hillel calendar, maybe Yom Teruah has passed and you're looking forward to Yom Kippur, um, there's one main kind of theme that ties all of these days together, uh, and actually all of the festivals in the cycle together, and that is the kingship of Hashem. That's this kingship, right? So if we think about it, and we think about the feast as a cycle, which that's how you know Hebraic thought works and Eastern thought works is in a cycle. If we think about it in a, in a cycle, um, I, the first festival or the first uh, you know celebration that we have is Pesach, right? And if you think about the main theme or, or you know the main kind of yeah the main theme of Pesach for for most of us I think would be deliverance, right? It would be that that there were a nation of people 
who had been so long within another nation, Egypt, Mitzrayim, that they basically lost maybe some of their uh, some of their uniqueness, some of their nation nationality. Um, and, and while there was still, you know, the uh, the history of the patriarchs and still the the traditions of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, while there was that still alive in them, they were a nation inside of another nation. Um, and so, it, God says in Exodus. Uh, he tells Moshe, you know, I have heard the cry of my people. I remember the bondage, right? And again, that word zakar, to remember, is not like God forgot. And then all of a sudden went, oh, wait, hang on. Is that, do I have some people struggling down there? You know, like, thank goodness he doesn't, he doesn't uh, relate to us in the same way. You know, like, oh, hey, I forgot about you. How are you? You, sh- you know, you're, how's your struggle going? Going well? You know, how we're like just nose barely above treading the water of life. You know, you felt like that before. Um, but that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that he forgot and he remembered. It means it was the time for him to act, to speak on their behalf and to act on their behalf. And that's what remembering really is. When, when I, when I, I love when people remember me, I appreciate it when people think about me and, and you would be the same, right? You appreciate when people think about you, but man, when somebody takes action on that thought and like writes you a card or sends you a text or a message or, you know, comes by to visit or whatever like that action don't just think about me like do something you know that's let's connect let's let's fellowship so um th- this is the story the exodus is the story of the king of the universe the king of israel um bringing his people out with miraculous uh, uh deliverance right and and it's about his kingship and his authority over pharaoh and the gods of egypt and his kingship over this this people called israel and so you have you have Pesach with the Exodus, and then you have Hagkamatzo uh, festival of unleavened bread, right, with the wave offering included in there, and and it's about okay now we're in the king's house, um, we we have to you know we have to straighten our clothes and we have to get all the start getting all the leaven out and all those things, and um, and what's really important to remember in this cycle is that the uh, is that the the Torah um, the Torah traditionally doesn't come to Shavuot. Right, the Torah doesn't come to Shavuot, so it's not the Torah that saved Israel. It's not the Torah that saves us, and we fool ourselves if we think that somehow we're being saved or we've been saved because we've accepted the mantle of the Torah. Hashem saved Israel from Egypt. Period. Full stop. By His miraculous power, just like He delivered and is rescuing us by His by His by His miraculous power and His love and compassion. Right, um, and so the the Torah then doesn't come until Shavuot. Uh, on Sinai, at, at, after the counting of the Lagba Omer, the counting of the Omer. So, uh, all this time we're preparing to meet with the king and to go, okay, Dad, we're in your house now. You know, what do you expect of us? Um, likewise, Rosh Hashanah Yom Truah is the heralding of the coming of the king. And you know, you see, you watch any of these old movies, um, you know, about England, the medieval times, or any, you know, any of these these older kind of royal movies. Anytime the, uh, someone of nobility, king, royal enters, there's usually a trumpet sound, right? There's a heralding that happens when they ride into town or when they're, you know, they're entering the great hall or whatever. And, um, and this is the shofarim, the shofarot rather, are this, this, this heralding, right? To remember that the king, we say in Elul, the king is in the field um, and that he's come out and he's available uh, you know, to for for all for all people, and then Yom Teruah is kind of like that coronation is is happening, and and he is being seated on his throne again, and so we're going to look at that in some of the passages that we read. Uh, this false whole, whole, 
whole first segment, excuse me, it's been like a big introduction, but it's a lot of things we need to keep in mind um, because, again, we're only given a couple of commands as it, it refers to uh, Yom Teruah, and yet there's so much more context and so much more depth to it as we apply it to other parts of Scripture and as we, we think about it uh, in terms of what does it mean in the grand scope of all the festivals as it relates to the temple and the life of Israel. So as we get into the next segment, we're going to actually start looking at some of the names that I mentioned, looking at some of the both Tanakh passages and to the Shah passages that will connect us back to this day. And uh, we're going to go through and show some of some really interesting things and round out and deepen our understanding of Yom Truah. So be right back in just a moment. Don't go away. Everybody, welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So, let's get into some scripture and start looking at some of the ways that we connect the some more scripture back to this day that that you know will help us um, help us a little bit. So, as we talk about Yom Truah um, and we move from Yom Truah to uh, to kind of the day of the awakening blast. So, so Yom Truah, you have all kinds of passages: First Corinthians fourteen, uh, Psalm forty seven. Uh, God has gone up amidst shouting. That's Truah. First Thessalonians four, right? The Lord Himself come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the blast of God's shofar. Um, Zechariah nine uh, uh, speaks about the shofar, uh, and we talk about the day of the awakening blast. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter twelve, and it, it, verse one says, "At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise." There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since the beginning of the nation until then. So at that time, what is that time? He says again, but at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be delivered. Oh, that's written in the book. We're going to get back to that. Verse two, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is in Daniel 12, right? Sounds like almost like a New Testament passage. Verse 3, those who arise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse. And those who turn away, turn many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. Right? So, wow, really cool. So then 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, we're going to hear a lot of the same kind of like Paul's almost kind of riffing off of, of Daniel 12. He says in verse 16, for the Lord as himself shall come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the blast of God's shofar, and the dead and Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left behind, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet them in the air. So shall we always be with Hashem. Um, th- this is not the rapture. I don't believe in rapture doctrine. Sorry if that hurts your feelings. Um, this is a change. There will be a transformation. Um, but we, this is not the show, not the show for that. So forgive me. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, this day of the awakening blast is speaking about the resurrection. It's all about speaking about the resurrection, right? So first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. Well, we all have a good mystery, right? We're all digging through the scripture, always trying to find the mystery, find the connection. We're like, we're addicted to that, that thing for some reason, uh, something new and shiny. 
He says, we shall not all sleep. In other words, we won't, we won't all remain dead forever, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last shofar or at the last trumpet. What the heck is this? We're going to find out for the shofar will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. Hallelujah. For this corruptible must put on incorruptibility and this mortal shall put on immortality. So this idea of the last shofar, the last trump, where does that happen? To my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've looked um, ad nauseum and I can't really find a reference to it in Tanakh. It may be there and I just missed it. Um, But I know where there is definitely a reference to the last trump or the last shofar. Um, but we, we don't find, or I haven't found it in the text of the scriptures. Where I have found it is in the Rosh Hashanah service that's done in synagogue every year. So most of you are familiar with the idea of a siddur, which is the Jewish prayer book. Um, there's also a, a book called a machzor, M-A-C-H-Z-O-R, machzor. And there's one for uh, Pesach, there's one for Shavuot, one for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and one for Sukkot. And there's five Maksarim. You can buy them in a set. They're amazing. I would encourage everybody to get one just because the stuff you read in there is just going to blow your mind. Um, in the Rosh Hashanah service, in the Yom Trust service done in synagogue every year, um, the shofar is blown a total of 100 times. 100 times. Um, there are four types of shofar blasts. Right there, one is called a tekiah, and a tekiah is a is a long straight. That's how most of us begin blowing the the shofar, right? Just a long straight blast. Um, there is a, a type of blast called a shevarim. Shevarim is the three short blasts, uh, and then there is a truah. Yom truah. There's a truah, which is nine short staccato blast, nine rapid short staccato blasts. So if you uh, are with us on Shabbat, uh, every uh, Shabbat morning before service, we blow the shofar, and I include every one of these four blasts. So we start out with a tekiah, then we do the shevarim, the three short, then we do the truah, which is the nine staccato, and at the end, there's a tekiah, so it's a long straight blast, a blast, gedolah, which means the last trump. Uh, the last trumpet, and it's the longest of the blast, and it starts out uh, loud and softens, and then it grows in intensity and in volume um, as long, basically, as you have oxygen to hold it. So um, the way the, the Rosh Hashanah service is, uh, is structured, that throughout the prayers and the songs and the service, um, there are three series. There are three series of shofar blowing. Each series, um, series one, two, and three, has 33 blasts in each series, and they're a mixture of these Tekiah, Shevarim, and Turah. Um, and then in the last series, at the end, uh, towards the conclusion of the service, there is the Tekiah Gedulah that is sounded, and that's the only time. It is the last trump of the Rosh Hashanah service. So this this passage in 1 Corinthians where where Paul is talking about well yeah well like everyone knows right at the last at the last shofar everyone's going to be transformed he goes well how in the world does he get there well this goes back to kind of my little rant earlier about about how we we treat tradition and stuff remember Paul himself said he was a what he was a Jew of Jews right and so Paul does this service or a type of service like this every day as a child growing up like he knows what's up right 
And um, so this is, this is part of his worldview and part of his understanding of the Torah and of the services. And I just think it's amazing. So see that it, it, this is why it's important to think, you know, you may not pray the Siddur, you may not pray through the Maksor, you may not use those for your, uh, your celebrations as a template for your celebrations, but it, they are wonderful to read because so much of our messianic theology and eschatology, so the way we think about the end times, it comes from uh, the, the way that the Jewish people read and understood and the services that they did and practiced in the temple and then later in synagogue. It's just, it's, it's really, really, it'll change the way you think about some of these things in, in the best of ways. So this day of the awakening blast, right? All, what day is the awakening blast? What day is this that, that, um, that you know, this, this, all this stuff happens and we're transformed? It's, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's Yom Teruah. It's this day that, we, that we've celebrated. So I want to talk also about uh, another name for this day, which is Yom Hadin. Yom Hadin is uh, the day of judgment, right? So a couple of things first. Um, God always, it's, it's his pleasure to forewarn before he brings judgment, right? Like any loving father would. He's going to forewarn before he brings down a judgment. And judgment is not, not, I'll say it again, not. <laughs> judgment is not, we think of it as, as, as negative, right? But it isn't. Judgment is pos- can be very positive. It, and, and, we, and, our, and our hope is that for us it is positive, right? <laughs> we don't expect a negative judgment. Um, we expect a positive judgment because of Messiah and because of our obedience and our faith and our loyalty to Hashem, we expect a positive judgment. And so God will always forewarn because he wants to bring a positive judgment. God doesn't want to bring a negative judgment against his people. He wants to bring a positive judgment. So he will always forewarn. And in, and I think always in the Bible, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, Tanakh, um, we, we see a special number um, that is tied to judgment, and it comes up over and over and over. And that number is 40, right? The number 40, and we, we think, what do you think about the number 40? What comes to your mind? Well, uh, Israel spends 40 days in the wilderness, or 40 years rather, right? Uh, the next big one probably for most of us is that Yeshua spends 40 days in the wilderness. And we tend to think of um, these 40 days in the wilderness as only a time of testing and warning and, uh, and maybe even you think about it as consequence or whatever, but it, we focus really hard on the testing part. I'm just going through a wilderness season, right? Through a time of testing and, and dryness and whatever. And yet what we, what we fail to realize sometimes um, is that 40 is all, the wilderness experience is not to hurt us, it's not only to test us. It's not only to show us how bad we are or how, you know, how, how we fall short, how short we fall. But the, the wilderness season, the 40 days, is always a time of transition. It's always a time of transition. If we fail miserably during the wilderness time because we don't realize what it is and what's going on, then the next season is probably going to be very hard because there's some lessons that we have to learn. However, if we realize what season we're in, that we're in a season of transition— and a season of testing, and we take those tests, and we take them before the Father, and we take them in prayer, and in the Word, and, and with the fruit of the Spirit, self-discipline, and we pass those tests, then we transition to a better place, right? 
uh, we have to be faithful with the little bit we've we've been given in order to move to a place where we, excuse me, can handle more. And so, forty is not only a time of of testing. You know, like we think about it as, oh, I'm just going. It's not that. Um, in Judaism, it's believed that every year on this day on Yom Teruah, um, the heavenly court is in se- it comes into session. Right, the heavenly court, and books are opened. What are these books? Well, we know about books in the scripture. Well, we know about a book, right? It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, there's, but there's more than just one book. Um, and again, this is not necessarily in, you know, spelled out for us in the Tanakh, uh, but it is in, in Jewish interpretation and, and in, the, in the, the synagogue services. Uh, the books are open, and God looks over every person's account to see, this is so very important, listen, to see how we took care of his investment in us the previous year. So the couple main things about that, this is not a salvation thing. This is not like every Yom Chua, every Yom Kippur, you know, every Yom, every Yamim Noraim, the, the days of awe. We, have, we all sit and wring our hands and worry if we're going to make it into the kingdom over the next, it's not like that. And it wasn't like that for the people of Israel. Uh, mainly for them in the, you know, the, in the ancient days, it was whether or not they were going to get rain for their crops. Um, because, you know, McDonald's and stuff hadn't been invented yet. And so the way that God showed that, that he favored them and he blessed them was by an abundance of rain and an abundance of crops and, a, you know, of the blessing. That's the blessing. So this, the, the, what he does during this time, according to this explanation, is that he looks over our account and he says, what have you done with what I've given you over the last year? It sounds really like a couple things Yeshua says, and I'll just leave this for you. We won't read in Matthew 25, um, the parable of the talents and the righteous judge. Hello? That's about Yom Truah. Oh, man, I've, we never even thought about it like that, right? It's crazy. It's awesome. So he, he's checking to see what we've done with what we had, not whether or not we're going to make it into the kingdom, whether we've done well or not with what we had. Um, this trial, right? The court is in session. This is a trial, and the trial lasts ten days during the during uh, during this time until Yom Kippur. These are called Yamim Noraim, the days of awe that we're in right now. Um, these ten days are kind of our last really intense chance to repent, uh, to amend our ways, and to to go like, oh, I, I really need to do better about this this year, and, and it's a chance for us to make some goals for uh, for next year. And uh, before the judgment is set and the books are closed on Yom Kippur. So let me read that again. We have 10 days to repent and amend our ways during this time before the judgment is set and the books are closed on Yom Kippur. Uh, It's also understood that everyone in the world, not just Israel, not just the Jewish people, everyone in the world passes before the heavenly judge like troops in review. The sentences are meted out during the following year, the following days and year. So it's our, it's our annual quality check, right? It's our annual time. We have Elul, which Elul, from Elul to Yom Kippur is how many days? It's 40 days, right? Which, which fits that 40-day 40, 40 wilderness kind of testing and, and transition and preparation season. So we're preparing for Yom Kippur, and um, it's our it's our annual quality check. How you doing? How you you know? How are your habits? Um, how is your mindset? How is your heart? It's this time that we that we really focus on on who we are, and it's it's our it's our you know quality control. 
Um, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, so that each one may receive what is due for the things he did while in the body, whether good or bad. See, we have this, we have this false dichotomy, faith versus works. They're in the Bible, listen, my friends, in the Bible, there is no such thing as faith, faith versus works. It doesn't exist in the Bible. It's something that we came up with. It's, I don't know why, some toxic, false narrative that we created. There is no faith versus works in the scriptures. We're going to come to, through Messiah, we're going to come before Messiah, the great judge, on, at some point, and we're going to be judged for the things we did. The things we did because of our faith, for good, or the things we did because of our lack of faith for the bad, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, each one's work will become clear for the the day, the day, what day? Yom Teruah, will show it because it is to be revealed by fire and the fire itself will test each one's, not faith, each one's work, which is because of faith, faith in alignment, uh, work in alignment with your faith. What sort it is, verse 14, if anyone's work built on the foundation uh, survives, he will receive a reward, right? So if your works are in accordance with what you say your faith is, you're good. You're good to go. Now, are all of us completely consistent? No, we say we believe and we say we're committed to doing certain things in the kingdom that we don't follow through on, but that's what the, this time of year is for. Goes on, First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but as through fire. So see, this is not about salvation, losing your salvation. It's about because you are saved or because you are part of the kingdom, remaining a citizen, but maybe you're, maybe you got to spend a couple months in jail. Oh, wait, 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 you don't like that? (laughs) Well, I mean, think about this. In our nation, we're not a kingdom. We're a democratic republic, but we're a nation, just like the kingdom, right? In the scriptures is a nation. It's God's, God's nation, God's people. Um, we have a constitution, like the kingdom has a covenant. We have a lot of American citizens, uh, sadly, way too many, who are legal American citizens. You can't take their citizenship away. They're, they're Americans. But do they enjoy all of the benefits and all of the goodness of what it means to live with freedom and liberty in America? No, because they've broken a law. And so they have to, to spend time in jail. They have to... to, to have a time to restore uh, themselves back to the freedom that they, they want to enjoy. And sadly, our criminal system is more punitive than it is restorative, but God's system is restorative. The test that we will face in the coming year because of, of things that we did not change during this time, the tests that we face are, are to, not to hurt us and not to force us you know, dragging and and screaming, kicking and screaming into doing things we don't want to do. They're to change our heart and change our minds so that we will uh, reflect the image of Hashem better. Uh, So I encourage you to go and read Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents and the righteous, righteous judge. Uh, Let's go back to Daniel real quick. Uh, We are got a few minutes left. Daniel chapter seven, verse 10, it says a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands of thousands attended him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So what, when, do you, when is this? 
So we know this is Yom Tura, this is Rosh Hashanah. This is Yom Hadin. He says in verse 11, I kept watching because of the boastful words that the horn was speaking. I continued watching until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. So this is Yom Hadin. This is the, this is the time we're in right now. How exciting is that? Um, I love this from Psalm 24, uh, 7 through 10. It says, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. What is this? He's, where is he coming in from? He's coming in from out, the, out of the field where he was just spent 30, 40, 30 days meeting with his people, right? He come, the king of glory come. Who is this king of glory? Verse 8, Adonai, strong and mighty. Adonai, yod mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. It's the second refrain. Who is this king of glory? yod Savaot. He is the king of glory, Selah. Right? Awesome. This, this, is a, this is a Rosh Hashanah coronation. This is welcoming in the king. Uh, I want to finish up the episode today by looking at uh, a couple of passages in Revelation. We're going to look at Revelation 4, 5, and 20. So Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, After these things, I looked up, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. We just read about a door and gates in Psalm 24. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking with me like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Verse 2 says, immediately I was in the Ruach and the Spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and the one, capital one, seated on the throne. Okay, so we already, if we know our feasts and we know our, uh, our interpretation, we already know what this scene is, right? We already know what this symbology is. Let's move ahead to chapter 5. It says in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. Their number was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. They were chanting with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and the sea and everything in them. Kind of sounds like creation, doesn't it, right? responding to the one, quote, to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This is new creation, all of creation, right? Verse 20, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. says, Then I saw a great white throne and the one, capital one, seated on it. The earth and heaven fled from his presence, but no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, the books were opened, and another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what was written in the books, according to their deeds. I, this is all, this is Rosh Hashanah, guys. This is the time that we're in right now. Uh, and I just think it's, it's amazing when we start to understand some of these other parts of Rosh Hashanah. Um, all the scripture begin to come together. Last passage I want to read is Psalm 118, 19 through 20. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and praise yod This is the gate of Adonai. The righteous will enter through it. What's the gate? The gate is Rosh Hashanah. The gate is this day, right? And so I hope that this helps make some connections for you and spurs you on to whet your appetite to study some more of these connections. Uh, and some more of these passages and see how this day is just so, while we're not given much description of the Torah, oh man, it's just it, the scriptures surrounding this day because this day is the beginning of the restoration. 
Uh, and it's tied together again by Yom Kippur and then Sukkot when we finally live with the king forever. So this, uh, this you know, you may celebrate it in a lot of different ways. Um, just a, a few, you know, reminders uh, that as you've celebrated, you spent time in prayer and repentance. I would continue, I would encourage you to continue until Yom Kippur. Spend time in prayer and repentance that you, you've met with the king on, on Yom Truah and now it's time to, to really make sure, take that last bit of inventory. You've heard, and maybe you've even blown the shofar, that remembrance, that remembrance of the king, that remembrance that you are under a king and you live in a kingdom and his law rules. His law is life and light and hope. Um, I hope that you've, you gathered together with, you know, with a group, a few people, a group, your family, whatever it might be, because you're going to need each other um, through these next few days until Yom Kippur and, and after. Sukkot is the big gathering, right? But we're going to need each other next year. And so the things that we do on Rosh Hashanah extend into the new year. Um, and, and for those of you that maybe observe more you know, traditional way, um, this, this year we, we did Tashlich, which is uh, where you take pieces of bread or pebbles uh, that kind of stand for some of the, they symbolize some of the main issues that you're repenting of. And you cast them away into what Tashlich means to cast away. And you cast them, them away into the water. And you, you release those things to the, to the depths. Um, and, you, and we have faith that, that the Father has forgiven our, our sins and has cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, right? That beautiful passage. And, and so remember those things as we go into this, this new year, this new season. And I pray that you have a wonderful Yom Kippur and rejoicing for forgiveness and a great Sukkot. So Shana Tovah, and we'll see you again next week.